The scripture is from two books. The first one is Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 to 11. Isaiah 63, 7 to 11. I will be reading out of the King, um, NIV. I will tell the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy, grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out, brought them through the sea with a shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set this Holy Spirit among them? And now Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted, by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Good morning. Very special welcome to all of you that are new or visiting today. It's good to have you with us. Special greeting to all of those that are uh, listening or watching uh, at home through uh, our Zoom feed, our, our streaming it's good to be together. I'm sure that we would have many stories over the last week of how you spent your Christmas and uh, how you spent last evening, whether you actually saw the click of the talk into the new year or not. Um, maybe some of you slept right through that and enjoyed that good rest. I don't know. Uh, this morning, uh, we want to talk about our theme, we've been, and for those that are newer, just to refresh all of our memories, we're really in a series here that is talking about restoration. So this wall has been built over the last number of Sundays. Uh, it was in shambles. It was broken. And uh, I encourage you to go back and read some of the Old Testament references of the rebuilding of the wall. And the difficulty that the children of Israel had was that they, they were stuck on the literal rebuilding of the actual bricks and mortar. It was a significant symbol. I'm not diminishing the importance of it. But I am saying that um, we have an understanding of a rebuilding and a restoring process. You may have not picked it up, but um, we sang the song uh, at the table of the Lord. And, and there, uh, we're restored at the table of the Lord is one of the lines that that word restoration is an important part of this series. And it's particularly important going into the new year. 
I don't know how many of you uh, remember as children. I, I specifically do uh, remember that they, we had a thing called do-overs. You'd be playing Foursquare or something, and, and somebody would do something they weren't supposed to, or, or in our perspective, we thought wasn't fair. Do-over, do-over. We get to do it over. You know, so we get to, to serve again. Um, and uh, do-overs were a way to correct and make something right. And we want to talk about this concept of, of change today and, and what it means going into a new year. One of the things that is an obstacle to some of our perspective is that we do get stuck on the good old days. So let me just ask you, um, if you were, uh, if you remember the 90s, you know, what was big in the 90s? What about Beanie Babies? Be- teeny Beanies? Grunge? Or the phrase cha-ching was a 90s phrase. What about the 80s? Pac-Man, the Rubik's Cube, Leg Warmers, the Fraggles TV show. Never saw that one, actually. Uh, 70s, how about that for some of you that go back that far? The 8-track tapes, the platform shoes, and the leisure suits. I shudder to think about my leisure suit. It was banana yellow. (laughs) There uh, are reported pictures somewhere. You'll never find them. (laughs) They've been buried so deep. Anyway, the 60s, LPs. Troll dolls and the first lava lamps emerged in the 60s. If you go back to the 50s, wax Coke-shaped bottles with colored sugar water inside, hula hoops and putting uh, peanuts in your 10-cent, 7-ounce glass Coke bottle before you drank it. In the 40s, how about party lines on your telephones? You know, telling uh, somebody to get off the line and stop listening in, but you couldn't really do anything about it anyway. Um, all kinds of, of those things. We remember um, things distinctly and differently. And there are years that have come and gone that we say, I'm glad that year is done. I'm ready to move on. And there are some times and portions of years that we wish we could do it over. I don't know if you've ever thought of the difference between something that is every day or something that is every day. I remember talking about growing up with my everyday clothes. And um, I jokingly said, because we were very, very rich comparatively to the world, but I remember saying that we were so poor that the only difference between winter and summer in my clothing was a coat. I didn't know what long johns were. I didn't know what uh, long sleeve t-shirts were. Um, it was just uh, it was just a change of a, of the outer coat. But we talked about everyday clothes were clothes that you wear just casual. In fact, the the term is. It's an adjective uh, for every day that is, it's something that's seen or used every day. It's ordinary, it's typical. There's nothing special about it. 
Sometimes we wear our everyday clothes to church. We wear everyday clothes to work on a project at home. Most of us don't fix the plumbing or, or clean out the, the shed uh, with our suits on. Um, not saying it's never been done, but uh, in any case, um, the question between that and then the words every day, which is more of a phrase that simply means each day. So each day. My question is, what is your faith? Is it an everyday faith? Is it an everyday faith? How do we understand that? And why is that significant? Because if it's just everyday and common and casual, we will overlook it and we will take it and it will diminish the importance or significance. It certainly can. On the other hand, if it's a faith that is vital and is effective and we're excited about it and it is driving our lives, then it should be ordinary and everyday. So one can understand it both ways. This wall, though, was special. This wall was built as a symbol of the rebuilding of people's faith in God. But it was a symbol. It was a literal temple that was being raised up. Read the story of, of Hezekiah, in Hezekiah, uh, not Hezekiah, in Haggai, Haggai chapter 1, 1 to 15 is a significant passage that we can and should be studying in relation to the rebuilding of the temple. But we understand that differently um, because of, of what Jesus did and, and the scriptures, and we'll look at a few of these in a moment. I want to focus today on something called naming. Now, this week was just filled with examples. I went to a movie in which a small orphaned dog spent the entire movie trying to figure out what his name was or should be. And that dog, uh, finally at the end of the movie, one of the important points was giving that dog a name. We think about this and we tell stories of how we named our children for those that are parents. And, and how did you arrive at that name? And sooner or later, in fact, we just had this couple days ago, we were sitting around the table and the kids were like, how did you decide on my name? How did you decide on that name? And we do spend a lot of energy being very careful about choosing names. Uh, before our daughter was born, we had the suggestion from the, the other two children that, uh, that she should be named Woody <laughs> because of their acquaintance with the Toy Story movie and all of that. They had a strong opinion about that. That did not actually pass the general board. Um, and um, we think about... Uh, we think about all kinds of names and the significance of names. Some people choose, uh, uh, in fact, a, we've got a whole row up here this morning that everyone's got a biblical name except Don. <laughs> right? Am I, am I correct? Yeah? 
What were you saying? <laughs> so, so we choose names. Sometimes they're biblical. Sometimes they're named after a grandparent or a parent. Sometimes it's the middle name. Sometimes it's the first name. But we put a lot of energy uh, into naming. Paul Dixon has written a book entitled, What's in a Name? In that book, he shares some of the most unusual names he's come across. How would you like to have any of these for your name? Cletus Clodfelter, Rotten Earp, Jingle Bells Kaplan, Boomfa Oomfa. Can you imagine that name? Perhaps a bit cruel to think about what they endured. Um, and, uh, and there was also a, a reference to a preacher in this book, uh, an associate minister in Michigan whose last name was Oder. Uh, and his parents gave him the first name of Ivan. Wait for it. Put it together. Ivan Oder. Yeah, it's no wonder that he always used his middle initial C, Ivan C. Oder. Um, and he writes about some of the people that were destined to have certain occupations. Joe Bunt was a guy who became a baseball coach. Dan Druff became a barber. Two men with the last names Goforth and Ketchum were actually partners in, on the police force. And so they would go forth and catch him every day. <laughs> Naming things is important. And what we want to talk about this morning is that restoration is something that can't happen until we name a few things. And I want to share four things that we work at naming. The first is, is simply that we have to come back to naming God as our God. Until we name God as our God, it's simply a religious concept. It's simply a bricks and mortar wall, but there's nothing of life within it. And, and so while the wall and the temple walls, the walls around the city and the specific temple walls were significant to the people as a symbol, they represented God, but unless people were within God, it didn't mean anything. And so the first thing is we're called to restore God's presence. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. When we think of the commitment of wedding vows or baptismal vows. What we are doing is naming a commitment to God and naming God as the one that we are inviting to be present with us at all times. So the promises we make and the degree to which we keep them name us as a child of God, as a, as a believer in Christ, as someone who claims that presence and that power of God in our lives. And while you may have grown up in the church, I would still ask this question. When did you sit down 
and say, today, as of this moment, January 1st, 2023, I will be a child of God. I will be someone who is named as a believer. Naming, naming God as our, the one that we follow and restoring God's presence by placing our faith in the name of Jesus Christ is the first of restoring God's presence. And the second one is restoring God's people. And that is naming our family. You would be shocked to know the statistics of the uh, studies that are done of the amount of people leaving churches. In fact, I read an article last evening about Sunday schools. Most churches are shutting down Sunday schools, uh, which uh, hopefully small groups are replacing that. But in any case, more and more, whether it's political division, whether it's biblical division, people are being drawn apart and pulled apart. And we're watching uh, a movie yesterday called The March of the Penguins. And And it was a sad story because some of the younger penguins didn't know as they were getting introduced to water, how to escape these, these uh, otters, the this lion otters, I forget what they were called, uh, but tiger otters, they basically would wait until some of the smaller ones were stuck in the ice and didn't have the experience of getting out of danger. And even some of the adults got it and they would come up and take them and, and they were gone. Uh, all because of the dangers that lurked there and the inability uh, to be in a safe place. And, and the, the problem was they would just, if they could get them away from the herd. And that is, that is the thing that we must stand against. We are called to be a, a church and a group of people that will stand as a community together, not just when things are going bad, not just when someone is hurting, that especially so. But every single morning someone walks into this church who's got hurts that nobody knows about. How do we care for and prayerfully encounter people every morning? Christian greetings are great, it's jovial, it's joyful, but how many times do we really get beneath the surface and find out that there's pain, there's fear, there's something that needs to be restored and it can only be restored through a living example of people who believe in God and believe in ministering to the needs of others. We need to name our family. Naming myself and my family uh, as, a, as children of God is the important thing. Hebrews 8.10 says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel, God says. I mean, we don't very often see in scripture, and I don't know if it's anywhere, where it says, I will establish my 
covenant with just certain individuals. No, he says it's with his people, the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them down in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So identifying as a person who is naming myself as, a, as one of a family of faith, whether that's here, five states away, no matter where it is that you're, if you're visiting this morning, no matter where, plant and plant well until God calls you somewhere else. But to be a part of and to be willing to name myself as I'm a part of that, remember the song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And to name that and declare that, that I am going to name my family. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, but for, but for what it, what, um, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God says, I will live with them and I will walk with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. In other words, plant and be a part of the the family and identify oneself. Notice in Ephesians 2, um, it It says in verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. In other words, you've been renamed. It's been reestablished that you're no longer a loner, an outcast, an orphan, uh, one who's been ostracized and, and kicked out of some group or club or somebody who is just ignored or somebody who's been treated poorly. And so the family of God is the place where you come, where everybody knows your name. Sorry, Cheers didn't invent that. The Church of Jesus Christ invented that. This is a place where everybody knows your name because I can look at you and I've never met you before and I can say, I know you. You're a child of God. And I can identify that as my brother and sister and a place where you belong, a place where you feel affirmed and strengthened and encouraged. We are called to be restored. We are truly called to be restored by naming our family. Third, we are called to restore God's purpose, and that is to name our mission. So I name my faith and trust in God's presence I name myself as part of the family of God and I name myself as one who is called on a mission. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I won't read, I'll just read a couple of verses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And Ephesians 4, 29 says, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only for what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. I invite you to the mission of God. I invite you to be called and to live out that mission and to claim that mission. And so every time you go somewhere, if you're going to the store, make sure that you find someone that you can bless as you go in that store. Now, you know, uh, we go to Meyer grocery store and they have trained those greeters. Welcome to Meyer. Welcome to Meyer. Welcome to Meyer. How many of you have said welcome to church to someone this morning? It's great to have you here. You know, welcome here. Uh, I still miss the guy that used to play the keyboard at Meyer. He used to he used to just volunteer playing the keyboard. But it's that atmosphere that you set of welcoming people in. It's our mission. It's our mission to bring that welcome outside of church, even into other places, everywhere that we go, our mission to represent. And so naming our mission is important every single day. Finally, the fourth one, restoring God's plan. In other words, naming our change of direction. Um, It's interesting what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13. He said, we are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. Is what Paul was praying over them. And he said, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive, get this, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and grace will be with you. In other words, Get rid of these stones. You see these stones over here? At one point, they were possibilities for this wall. They look good on the outside, except they're not. They represent the hurt and the brokenness and the past. They represent every logical reason that you have to be angry with God. They represent every single hurt uh, at the hands of someone else or everything somebody said about you or somebody did to you. They represent everything you never got in life and you deserved it. They represent all of the things that just continue to take away your name as a child of God because these things will separate you from a peace with God. And so if we're called to name, we're also called to name the things that move us in a direction away from God. And so that's why Paul could say that he was thankful for his weakness and he acknowledged it over and over again because he knew that it was Christ that his strength came from, not from himself. Remember when he talked about all of the reasons he had for being 
super qualified. And he counted them all rubbish because it was only through who he was being named as a child of God, a a redeemed child of God through Jesus Christ that gave him his value and value to anything that he ended up doing. So get rid of all of these stones. Um, And we need to seek his face. We desire to know him at a deeper level. You know, a lot of studies have been done. More recently, a study was done where 90% of Americans, uh, it it suggested 90% of Americans know about God, um, but also close to 80 to 90% of Americans that believe in God uh, also have no issue with lying. That lying becomes something that has become the standard practice of our culture. And we need to throw those bricks out. And we need to say, that's not going to build me into the child of God that I am designed to be. Uh, And so uh, while so many people are willingly confessing that uh, that they lie on a regular basis and see nothing wrong with it, we as a people of God name ourselves in a different way. That we're willing to identify the things that were wrong. I have pointed countless times, I even referred to it Tuesday morning devotional. Countless times I've referred to this because Paul in, in, in Romans 14 says, I do what I don't want to do and the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And he goes back and forth reflecting on this. And I think it's important to say that we need to name our brokenness, name our sins, name the resentment we're carrying, name it and get it out and lay it at the foot of the cross and be done with it. Until we name the things that keep this wall from being built in our hearts and in our minds, until we name the things that we know as a people of God, we know intuitively this isn't right. And I will stand up for it at whatever the cost to say, I am going to stand for the one who gave me the name, child of God, someone worthy of Christ dying for and redeeming. And so we're called to repent. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, reclaiming our identity and restoring our joy. That is the most important thing. You know, you can, you can talk about restoring, but let me just give you, a, a, as I close, an example of some of the other words for it. What about reconfiguring? What about recalibrating, rearranging, recomposing, reconstructing, redesigning, Reforming, reshaping, adapting, changing, modifying, tailoring, updating. We are called to reconfigure every and each day. And we're called to constantly reconfigure and be restored as an everyday practice. So let me close with giving you a prayer that I think I want to just offer to you. I'm going to call it the everyday faith prayer. And I would encourage you to 
to, uh, to embrace this. can also be called, for some of you this may click better, an identity prayer. There are four things you do in this prayer. And I encourage you to do this and try this every day and see what it does. Number one, name God's love in the past to remember what he's done for you. Name the blessings. That's all part of naming how God has loved you, blessed you. Secondly, name God's promises for the present. God made many promises to us and he's kept every single one of them. Name those in your prayer. Even if you name one or two, just name them. Third, name your struggle. In other words, open your heart to God. He wants you to. Let God know what your struggle is and what you're uncertain about, what your fears are, both from the past and the present. Name that struggle. And then fourth, name your purpose for the day, which is looking forward and saying, God, I want to recommit to this today. Those four things, naming God's love, how he's worked in the past, his blessings, naming God's promises for the present, naming your struggle for the past and present, and naming your purpose for the day. If you do those four things and pray that every single day, I honestly believe it will change your life. I believe it will change your whole perspective. I believe it will, you will find that the power of God works by living into the name that we call ourselves. I am a follower of Jesus Christ.